Welcome to Perfectly Imperfect, a podcast on mental health for folks of color. I'm your host, John Zell Anderson, licensed professional counselor. I'm the owner of Panoramic Counseling, where I specialize in treating teens and young adults in Richmond, Virginia, and throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia through online counseling. Let's get into the show. Hello, everyone. I am excited to start a new series, and the topic is going to be on critical race theory. I've been interested in this topic for a while now, but I didn't know much about it. My wife is a school counselor, so she's mentioned some of the controversy with it in passing uh, as she deals with, you know, parents in her school system and stuff like that. Um, And I've noticed it in passing, especially in this past year, because there's a lot of attention on it in the media and stuff like that. So my goal through talking about this topic with you all is to, of course, educate myself, but to share some of the things that I'm learning with you. So for this episode, I'm going to give kind of an introduction to critical race theory. I read a really good article in Education Week that is titled, What is Critical Race Theory and Why is it Under Attack? But I'll get more into that in a minute. In future episodes, I'm going to be reflecting on a book which is called Critical Race Theory and Introduction, and it's by Delgado and Stefanik. That book is a little bit more dense, but I'm going to try to break it down and give you the meat and potatoes as I read through it. But to jump in for today, going to the article in Education Week, the article is by Stephen Sawchuk. It was published on May 18th of this year. So I'm just going to read some quotes from the article, but I'm also going to give some commentary just from my initial dive into this topic. Quote, is critical race theory a way of understanding how American racism has shaped public policy or a divisive discourse that pits people of color against white people? Liberals and conservatives are in sharp disagreement. The topic has exploded in the public arena this spring, especially in K-12, where numerous state legislatures are debating bills seeking to ban its use in the classroom. The events of the last decade have increased public awareness about things like housing segregation, the impacts of criminal justice policy in the 1990s, and the legacy of enslavement on Black Americans but there is much less consensus on what the government's role should be in righting these past wrongs. Add children and schooling into the mix, and the debate becomes especially volatile. Critical race theory is an academic concept that is more than 40 years old. The core idea is that race is a social construct, and that racism is not merely the product of individual bias or prejudice, but also something embedded in the legal systems and policies, end quote. So from my initial dive into this topic, it was interesting trying to locate resources. Obviously, this episode, I'm talking about this article from Education Weekly, Through my research, I noticed that there's a lot of op-ed pieces uh, or just Facebook-y type articles that don't have any real 
backing to it other than somebody giving a fire hose of their opinion. And it's pretty easy to see that a lot of people who are strongly against critical race theory have probably never read any of the literature on the topic. Uh, It seems to be a um, topic that is heavy in misinformation. So hopefully through discussing this topic in depth, listeners will understand it better. Critical race theory is very nuanced, but proponents of critical race theory argue that to combat racism and bias and discrimination in our society, we have to shine a light on the systems that are in place. That is the laws. That's the way that we teach our children. It's basically targeting the root of where everything comes from. And I think this is one of the reasons why it becomes so controversial, but we'll get to that in a minute. Here's another quote. This academic understanding of critical race theory differs from representation in recent popular books and especially from its portrayal by critics, often, though not exclusively, conservative Republicans. Critics charge that the theory leads to negative dynamics such as focus on group identity over universal shared traits, divides people into oppressed and oppressor groups, and urges intolerance. End quote. So the thing I really like about this article is that the writer splits it up into questions that people might have when they come to this topic of critical race theory. So the first question that he poses is, does critical race theory say all white people are racist? Isn't that racist too? From the surface level, if you don't know anything about critical race theory, you will hear many who oppose critical race theory saying that it's a form of brainwashing or that it's trying to alter history or something like that. I'll get into some reflection on that in just a moment. But here's some quotes. The theory says that racism is part of everyday life. So people, white or non-white, who don't intend to be racist can nevertheless make choices that fuel racism. Some critics claim that the theory advocates discriminating against white people in order to achieve equity. They mainly aim those accusations at theorists who advocate for policies that explicitly take race into account. The writer Ibram X. Kendi whose recent popular book, How to Be an Anti-Racist, suggests that discrimination that creates equity can be considered anti-racist, is often cited in this context, end quote. So my response to the opponents to critical race theory that it advocates discriminating against white people, my initial response would be to call bullshit. Because it's completely ridiculous to me as a person of color, as someone who has dealt with racism directly throughout my entire life, to fathom the idea that white people can be widely discriminated against through 
critical race theory, which based on what I've shared so far is a foundational approach to consider how laws and policies that are in place or have been in place have influenced the institution of racism. Again, as a person of color, I cringe when I read the part that people are saying that this is reverse racism by wanting to shine a light on the elements of discrimination that have occurred historically. Like the the article says, it's typically white, conservative, Republican people who are vehemently against critical race theory. And the idea that it needs to be outlawed or not used as an approach to change how things are taught in schools or how laws are made and things like that, it truly makes me angry. And it makes me angry on many levels, but I think I want to stay focused in my commentary. So by trying to squelch or uh, to eliminate critical race theory influencing these different systems, if that succeeds, it would be stopping action that people are taking to tear down the institutions of white supremacy. And if I'm being honest, the only people that are getting upset about this are the people who have something to lose people are getting mad about it because it threatens the status quo is because the status quo is white supremacy and American exceptionalism. And people get really uncomfortable when they have to reckon with missteps and atrocities that have happened in the history. They just want to focus on the the highlights and the, the victories, the successes, and Uh, brush the bad stuff under the rug. And as a student going through the United States educational system, I definitely saw how the darkest things were quickly glossed over. And I think that does a disservice. But the next question kind of ties into this. The author of the article says, well, what does any of this have to do with K-12 education? Quote, Scholars who study critical race theory in education look at how policies and practices in K-12 education contribute to persistent racial inequalities in education and advocate for ways to change them. Among the topics they've studied, racially segregated schools and underfunding of majority Black and Latino school districts, disproportionate disciplining of Black students, barriers to gifted programs, and selective admission high schools, and curricula that reinforce racist ideas. As with CRT in general, its popular representation in schools has been far less nuanced. A recent poll by the advocacy group Parents Defending Education claimed some schools were teaching that, quote, white people are inherently privileged, while black and other people of color are inherently oppressed and victimized, end quote. That, quote, achieving racial justice and equality between racial groups requires discriminating against people based on their whiteness, end quote. And that, quote, the United States was founded on racism, end quote. Thus, much of the current debate appears 
to spring not from the academic text, but from fear among critics that students, especially white students, will be exposed to supposedly damaging or self-demoralizing ideas. End quote. I can summarize those claims given by opponents of critical race theory by kind of building on what I said earlier, and that is those who are white and therefore receive benefits of white supremacy and white privilege, they fear any changes that threatens that status. This is a very loaded and emotional topic for me to talk about, but those claims such as they feel that schools shouldn't teach from the slant of that white people are privileged and that black people are and have been oppressed and victimized. And they basically say that in order to make things equal, they, they believe that people who teach from a critical race theory foundation believe that the only way to get equity between marginalized people and the white majority is to somehow discriminate against white people. So I'm trying to respond to this in a way that comes out clearly because as I even reflect on that, I it baffles me that those who are screaming at the top of their lungs against these things don't realize that the very things that they're saying are ridiculous, but also racist. Uh, and again, I have to go back to the uh, plague of misinformation that has been uh, rampant in recent years. And my general commentary is that there's a lot of insecurity among conservative white people who really hate the idea of critical race theory, which from my perspective and what I've researched so far is basically highlighting the influence that race and oppression and discrimination and all of these things have played in where we're at today, that it didn't just happen overnight. And I think it's that easy way out of let's let's focus on the good and not focus on the bad. It's that ignorance is bliss, but also don't rock the boat mentality. And if you've listened to previous episodes of my podcast, you know that that sort of give up and just go with the status quo thinking is precisely what is dangerous and it's precisely what I'm intending to avoid on this podcast because education and talking about these issues is my personal way to advocate and fight against these systems that hurt people that look like me and therefore impact society as a whole. Quote, while some district officials have issued mission statements, resolutions, or spoken about the changes in their policies using some of the discourse of CRT, it's not clear to what degree educators are explicitly teaching the concepts or even using curriculum materials or other methods that implicitly draw on them. 
For one thing, scholars say, much scholarship on CRT is written in academic language or published in journals not easily accessible to K-12 teachers, end quote. I love that the author of this article said this because the truth is most of the peer-reviewed scholarly literature about critical race theory is academically dense. For example, the book that I mentioned that I'm going to be talking about over the next few episodes is about a five-hour read, according to Kindle, but it is very dense, meaning it's not something that you can easily read and absorb information. It's uh, one of those things that you have to kind of digest and break down and process. So thank you for joining me on this journey because I get to process it through speaking about it. But I'm also co-signing on this idea that it's written in an academic tone and your typical layperson who's not a legal scholar or somebody who hasn't read a lot of peer-reviewed academic writing may feel confused by the content. And that's not to say that it's something that can't be understood. It's just critical race theory is heavily based in legal writings and laws and things like that. And most of us know the gist of, say, a law that's been made, but most of us never go and actually read the hundreds of pages that outline certain things. So again, one of my goals here is to make it more digestible and accessible. So in this quote, it was talking about how there's a couple of things. Well, people don't know. There, Most people can't easily tell you what is critical race theory and give like some bullet points. There's usually a heavy bias, especially from the loudest voices, that it's reverse racism, that it's brainwashing, that it's trying to change history and things like that. Somebody who is a proponent of critical race theory may argue that it is illuminating things that have previously been left out or looking at it from a vantage point to make things more inclusive, to shine a light on things that have been wrong and how it influences the life that we live today. As a person of color, I don't see anything wrong with this. And because my wife is a school counselor, I've watched school board meetings and you know, I've seen the parents who get up to the podium at the school board meetings and express their opinions about critical race theory. And without sounding elitist, I must say that as somebody who got a master's degree, so I've done my fair share of academic reading and analyzing the peer-reviewed sources, but when I listen to these parents who get up at the school board meetings, they're usually talking completely out of their ass. And they're the same, like, it, it really does fit a certain demographic. It's usually white, 
conservative, often Republican people who are on the, maybe I'm reaching here, but the Trump bandwagon of misinformation and basically anything that goes against the status quo is deemed, quote, fake news. But most of the people who are screaming at the top of their lungs against critical race theory are the Googling type who, I mean, you could type in whatever you want. There's somebody out there who's written about some idea that can validate it. That's not peer-reviewed, though. Peer-reviewed means that it goes through a process of being analyzed and questioned by professionals in the subject area who then, once it goes through all of those different steps, it's deemed academic and valid. And I believe that one of the biggest problems in society, especially after our last president, who made up his own version of truth all the time. The problem is that people don't question where stuff is coming from. There are so many people that I run into who will say, oh, I read an article saying this. And then I ask them, where did you get the article from? Oh, it was on Facebook. It came up on Google. Yahoo News. Okay. But no one ever looks into who wrote this article, what is their motive, where's the funding behind it, does the person who's talking about it have any authority over the topic. That's the problem. And there's definitely a trend of people just coming across something and taking it immediately as fact without questioning it. And I think that's a, that's a really big problem. So here's another quote. As of mid-May, legislation purporting to outlaw CRT in schools has passed in Idaho, Iowa, Oklahoma, and Tennessee, and have been proposed in various other state houses, end quote. This is problematic because any person who's ever, uh, any non-melanated person who's ever read any of these books, such as How to Be an Anti-Racist, or there's tons of books that have hit the market in past years, anybody who's ever read those books has been made to feel uncomfortable. When we feel uncomfortable, we feel that way because it's challenging change. We don't feel uncomfortable if we're doing the right thing. We feel uncomfortable when we know something has to change because change requires work and effort. So the way to avoid that discomfort is to scream at the top of your lungs to stop anything that's challenging you feel comfortable about yourself. And really the only people who have something to lose would be those who are benefiting most from white supremacy. And I've just, you know, from hearing stories from my wife and also from, you know, talking to parents of my clients and things like that, there are some, you know, we, we know of the Karens of the world. 
the Karens will really dig their heels in and go to war over how something is said. And it's usually if something is taught and a white student is made to feel as if their ancestors have done something wrong, they build it up as, oh, you're teaching my child critical race theory. Parents have the right to choose what's taught to their students and all of this, to which I get a headache and I just shake my head because it's ignorance. But also, your white ancestors did do a lot of fucked up shit. Pardon my French. These are facts. These are things that need to be taught. Because if I look back on how I was taught about slavery and the Civil War and Jim Crow and all of this other stuff, and then as an adult having to relearn and to go more in-depth on what really happened, it makes me want to advocate that we give kids a clearer picture of our history And we learned in school, those who don't know their history are doomed to repeat it. If you don't know your history from a wide view of multiple perspectives and with humility and not sugarcoating things, you're ignorant to repeat it. And I think the reason it upsets me is because if we don't take a stand, if we don't go to the core of how we're doing things, how policies are set up, not making change in those areas is basically upholding white supremacy. Critical race theory will benefit those who are not part of the white majority, those who do not benefit from white supremacy, those who do not benefit from white privilege. It's not reverse racism where white people are being discriminated against. It is teaching from a more broad view to explain how past transgressions have impacted the present. It's not discrimination if someone, say a white person, is made to feel uncomfortable about how people who look like them have behaved in the past. No one's discriminating against you to say you have done this. We just want it to be taught truthfully. And any effort to stop that transparency to me is saying that black lives don't matter. And when black lives don't matter, when systems like this continue to be upheld, when we can't challenge how we're setting up systems and uh, teaching our children about how things work in the world, we're putting ourselves in a dangerous spot to keep repeating this history. In 2021, as a person of color in a supposed free country, I'm still impacted by post-traumatic slave syndrome. I did a whole series on that over the summer. If you're interested in checking that out, go back in the archives but also just the dangers of being a black male in this country. That's what gives me the personal, I guess, emotional connection to this, is that anybody who's against the truth or telling things as they happened 
despite who's made to look bad in the process, if you're telling the truth for the sake of educating future people to not make the same mistakes, I don't see a problem in that. And as a person of color, I feel validated when what has been impacted, uh, what has been done to my ancestors and thus things that affect me, the systems that affect me today and my life, I feel validated because it's saying, okay, this was a misstep and we're working to change that. Parents who are trying to stop even conversations about critical race theory, to me, that feels like an attack because whether you're saying it directly out of your mouth or not, you're saying that black lives don't matter. And I hope I've conveyed that clearly. And the reason I want to talk about this topic is because everything I've looked at in critical race theory, it fires me up and it makes me angry and hurt to see the things that people are saying. So here is a little bit more from this article and then I'll kind of wrap it up. Quote, it would be extremely difficult in any case to police what goes on inside hundreds of thousands of classrooms, but social studies educators fear that such laws could have a chilling effect on teachers who might self-censor their own lessons out of concern for parent or administrator complaints. As English teacher Mike Stein told about the new law, history teachers cannot adequately teach about the Trail of Tears, the Civil War, and the Civil Rights Movement. English teachers will have to avoid teaching almost any text by an African-American author because many of them mention racism to various extents. The culture wars are always, at some level, battled out within schools, historians say. It's because they're nervous about broad social things, but they're talking in the language of school and school curriculum, said one historian of education. That's the vocabulary, but the actual grammar is anxiety about shifting social power relations, end quote. So I'm going to end this episode there. I hope you will join me for part two and any future parts of the series that I'm doing. I'm really excited to kind of sink my teeth into this uh, book that I had mentioned on critical race theory. And I hope that this article is a good introduction. I will be sure to put the link to the article and also the link to the book that I'll be reading into this episode show notes so that you can check those out for yourself. But until then, thank you so much for listening and take care. If you enjoyed this episode, you can support this podcast by buying me a coffee. The link is in this episode's show notes. Thanks in advance. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast. And best of all, it's free. They offer creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor also distributes your podcast so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, and many more. Did I mention that you can make money from your podcast no matter the size of your following? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today.